0: Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash channel 10. There you will have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I'm currently listening to The Martian by Andy Weir. Uh, it's the book that the movie The Martian is based off of, and it's great. If you've never listened to an audiobook, definitely check that out. And for all my hip-hop heads who are also into self-improvement, I also recommend The 50th Law by 50 Cent and Robert Greene, narrated by the authors themselves. So definitely go check those out at audibletrial.com slash channel 10 also you can support the podcast just by shopping on amazon at no cost to you all you have to do is go to channel 10 podcast.com and click on the amazon link at the top and anything that you purchase will get a little kickback off at no cost to you so what are you waiting for go ahead support one last thing make sure you rate subscribe and comment on itunes soundcloud and Stitcher. That way, our podcast gets higher in the rankings, and we can gain a bigger audience, bring you bigger guests, and keep giving you this great content that we do week after week.
1: With we that, like let's get into the show.
2: And we used to think the people would catch on, <laughs> no but if you're people. not McQueen, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't got Time <laughs> Warner <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> what up, like, what? you I didn't do it. know that. Yo, what up, man? Hold it's different channel, son. Huh? What up, hold on, man? What up? Watch the channel, son different plane now man so good World up all good baby in every hood it's son up you seeing network channel 10 it's on again street niggas is grown men bold face get your face stay in place yo crime lace cast more beef to Scarface, face CNN, network channel 10 it's on again street niggas is grown men Bow face get your face stay
3: in place yo call is now being recorded yo
2: hello
4: Hey, what's going on, Jumpstones? What up? Hey, man, it's definitely an honor to speak to you, man. <laughs> man, vice versa, man. What's the, what's the
3: deal, man?
4: That's what's up. Um, well, I'm uh, Tick from the Channel 10 podcast, and okay. um, I have a sin superior on the line, and um, we just wanted to, uh, to uh, just ask you some questions. Just to, uh, basically... Um, get started off with, you know, the beginning of how you got started and, you know, where you're from and everything and all your different projects and your transition through hip-hop and life and just everything in general.
3: Okay, so, uh, uh, well, um, my name is Jim Stones, uh, mm-hmm. formerly known as Gemini. Right. I'm from Lupe Cisco Camp, 1st and 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, been doing music uh, my whole life. I started rapping when I was in third grade. I've been doing it ever since. Um, I met uh, Lupe in two thousand and one, right after high school. At the time he wasn't, you know, Lupe Fiasco. He was Lupe Fiasco. You know, trying to be Lupe <laughs> Fiasco. He was just Lupe who I knew him as. Um Um I rocked with I was signed to his company from 01 up to, like, 0- 2011.
1: hmm
3: Yeah, I was signed with Lupe from 01 to 2011. I did both his projects starting off. I did his food and liquor project. I did all the singing on food and liquor. I remember. And the second yeah. the second project, which was The Cool, uh, I rapped on that project. I did some writing, and um, I did some singing on that project. Um we shared ideas together on that project and the cool was a success. Um
1: well, let's let's um I
3: was gonna
4: say let's take it back to um even before you met uh Lupe. Um how did you first get introduced into hip hop and who were some of your early influences?
3: Well, um the first time I started rapping it was this guy named Jelani, he was a, one of the he was a teenager on my grandmother's block. I was like in third grade. He would he would be selling drugs outside. And in between selling drugs, waiting for his next drug sale, he would be rapping, freestyling. And at this little kid, I would walk up to him to listen to him rap, and I'd be soaking it up like, whoa, I was amused by it. Mm. And I knew what I wanted to do when I heard him. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I went... I would go home, I would pick up a pen, I would try to write, and emulate him, take his style. I'm a little kid though. At the time, at that time, I didn't know that's what I really, really wanted to do, but I was just inspired by him, like, whoa. And then I saw that I was kind of good at it, and I kept rapping. I continued rapping, I never stopped. Um, I was inspired at the time, when I was a kid in third grade, The West Coast had it on lock Mm -hmm. out there in California. So I was inspired by artists such as like MC8, um, Spice One, uh, who else was it? Ice Cube at the time, uh, 8 Ball and MJG, they was doing their thing down south. Mm -hmm. But Spice One was my favorite rapper. I really wasn't into East Coast rap at the time. Snoop Doggy Dogg.
1: Mm -hmm. When He dropped
3: Doggy Style back then. Dr. Dre the Chronic. I was a kid inspired by all of that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until 1995 or 94, 95. It was 95 when I was inspired by East Coast rap because Biggie released a project. It was called Ready to Die. Right. And when I heard that kid, I was like, whoa, who is this? And then I liked the way I just, it was something about the East Coast, the way they dress at this time. Baggy jeans was in, Timberland boots, a cross color, um, a vest, everybody's wearing vests. You know what I'm saying? I I was just picking up on the coach and I'm like, this is fresh. And it was these dudes called Bad Boy. Mm
1: -hmm. I saw
3: Puff Daddy and and I was already into R&B music and the pub Daddy is connected because my favorite R&B group was Jodeci. And come to find out, he was the A&R for Jodeci. Right. And he later, his artist was Biggie. So it all it all made sense. You know, he was producing for Mary J. Blige and Jodeci and Uptown MCA. And um, like I said, at, the, at that time, that's when R&B music was in heavy. Yeah. They had groups like Boys to Men and all of that and hip hop was forming and everybody was getting their styles and everybody it was just growing. The art of hip hop, the culture it was just expanding. I was a kid soaking it all up. And I'm growing up and I'm using my ink pen at the time. I'm a rapper and I'm just a, didn't know I knew how to sing back then, but I wanted to be a singer too. But didn't know I really had the gift. Right. So, um, I knew I had to get in about fifth grade. I remember. Uh, then I, um, this was before Big, but I knew I had to get since Fifth had it had it because I was in you know little little rap groups with my my cousins. We was young though, no. but I took it serious. Mm. So that's what I was inspired by growing up. I didn't uh, get inspired. Mm. Well, right after Biggie. Came Tupac mm. and then I was in love with Tupac more than Biggie
1: mm.
3: me against the world and all those albums I really wasn't into Tupacalypse now and all of that
1: yeah but when
3: he dropped me against the world he had my ear
1: mm.
3: and then mm. his other records after that and then really when he dropped all eyes on me I was a total fan
1: yeah
3: but then Biggie released life after death and I, I was Biggie became my favorite rapper after that because mm. his wittiness he was witty and he was like lyrical not saying Pac wasn't but he wasn't as lyrical as Biggie Pac was more passion and he was more than just a rapper to me you know what I'm saying like his interviews Pac gave the best interviews I ever saw in my life yeah um Pac was more than just a rapper he brought so much more to the the table you know what I'm saying but just as spitting bars, bar for bar, like lyrical bars, metaphors, I gave it to Biggie. But then Pac was for the passion and the heartfelt. So, bam, I'm inspired. That's what inspired me. Mm.
4: Now, um, did you have any um, like back in those days? Did you have any rap names before Gemini? Yes, I did. Okay, will uh, you be willing the share?
3: <laughs> okay, I believe my. F- <laughs> I think my first rap name was like, um, I had a few of them. Oh my God. My rap name was Kool-Aid. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Kool-Aid. Wow. And I, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. I was writing the word Kool-Aid over, I don't even know why I was Kool-Aid. I think the way to, the word Kool-Aid, because I know how to draw. And I think the way the word Kool-Aid was on the Kool-Aid package looked it cool to me back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, my name's going to be Kool-Aid because I got flavor. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I was a little kid running around calling myself Kool-Aid. Mm. And then mm. I remember calling myself later, my name's going to be Bad Luck. Mm. I started calling myself Bad Luck. What's your name? Yeah, my name Bad Luck, yeah. So that was when <laughs> hardcore hip-hop was in. It was about hardcore hip-hop. You know, hip-hop artists having bats in their hand when Naughty By Nature was out swinging the bat and machetes in their hands with that. You know, just hard kicking a, a boot, a, 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 a steel toe boot. It was like hardcore hip-hop. So you had to think of a hardcore name. I'm like, I can't be having Kool-Aid. Nah. I'm like, yeah, Bad Luck. <laughs> so mm. then my name was bad luck. Then it was Marky e. G. Because my real name is DeMarco. Mm. So it was Marky e. G. And um, yeah, yeah, those, those were the names. Those mm. are my names.
5: So, so um, while you were growing up in Chicago, um, how much did music have an influence or an impact on you wanting to sing? Um, and, and wait, what did you change? Um, so, so, uh, how much did house music have an influence um, on uh, on how you how you went about doing music, you know, especially with R and B and wanting and wanting to sing?
3: Well, as a kid, house music was some of the first music that I was introduced to—the Chicago mm-hmm. house music. Right. Um. As a little kid, we would go outside, and it was this girl named Lori who stayed down the street from us everybody, this is before all the violence, this was around the time when you could actually hang on your front porch, and the police wouldn't mess with you, and you didn't have to worry about somebody driving up the block shooting. I was a kid. It was this girl named Lori, and every night, she was a teenager, she would come outside, and all the teenagers would be in front of Lori's house. She would bring a bitch, she had like this big stupid dumb boom box. You remember them boom boxes from, like, the 80s? Them big gray ones, like, them big dumb ones that dudes used to walk down the street with them on their shoulders? they call them uh, ghetto blasters. Okay. Lori would bring one of those out every night and sit it on her front porch. And they would, she would play these tapes. It was nothing but house music. And everybody would be in front of Lori's house learning new dance moves. Like the Tom and Jerry, the Fila to these these, uh, house songs. They would be Mm. dancing to house songs. This is before Jodeci. For me, this was before Jodeci. This was before rap music. That actually was the first that was the first genre of music that I was introduced to, actually. House music. Mm. Mm. So my early days was nothing but my childhood was nothing but house music. Mm. The second genre of music I was introduced to that I was into was R&B. Of course, on Saturday mornings, you wake up, your mom's cleaning up the crib, she playing them Dusty records. Mom's cleaning up on Saturday morning with the record player spinning, but I wasn't into that music. It was R&B that I got into second after house music. So, um, I don't think, I I, I don't want to say that I implemented house music in my sound, Mm-hmm. But I will say that house being that it was the seed was planted, that's that's the music seed that was planted in me that opened the doors for all the for me to accept all other genres of music. Because I listened to house music. I heard I would go down Laurie's house every night and watch them dance. I even wanted to be in a dance group. I just couldn't dance. So I had to sit on the porch and watch everybody else dance. Plus I was too small. This like, I'm, this seven, six years old. I'm six, seven. Mm. Eight. This is going on the age eight, seven. Well, no, not eight. Seven, six. At the latest six on down. Hmm. Seven, six, five. Yep. Seven, six, five, and like four. So four through seven, it was all house music for me.
4: Okay. Now, um, now we recently um, did an interview with uh, Matteo Urella, and um, he's a writer, and he wrote um, a book about Bone Thugs and Harmony, and um, we spoke about you know Midwestern hip hop and just about. Um, how like in the Midwest, there's a lot of like fast rap and there's a lot of melody in the rap, too. So you look at, you know, people like Bone Thugs and you have like the do or dies and the twisters and things like that. And, um, you know, Chicago has a um, has a, you know, a, a, a rich hip hop uh, culture when it comes to that type of rap. And, and then listening to you, you know, of course, what you're singing and then your rap style and the way that you flow. I was wondering how much of uh, that in, uh, impacted you as well, uh, if at all.
3: Mm. One hundred percent. fifty billion percent. At one point in time in life, Bone Thugs and Harmony, when they dropped that, It's the Thuggest Ruggish Ball. Yeah. When that hit the scene, I had never heard nothing like that in my life. I'm like, what is this? Who is this? It's Easy ease Group. I was in love. Mm-hmm. I was in love, bro. I thought I was Bone. And you got to know Bone was a whole group. I thought I was a whole group by myself. Mm. My favorite Mm. rapper from Bone was Busy Bone. That was the favorite one. I used to go home and write the... I used to press play. I bought the album, uh, Creeping on the Come Up, the first album. I bought it. I used to sit down and write the lyrics out. Me and my sister used to have a competition who could learn a bone song first. <laughs> I would sit and write their lyrics out, and we would be spitting bone. I knew all these songs. I could still spit bone songs to you right now, versus
1: mm.
3: bone. And then I didn't get up on Twister. I been knew who Twister was, but I didn't embody Twister and become a fan until later. But for me, it was Bone Thugs and Harmony, man. Them dudes was something else. And then Twister was just a whole nother something by himself. Like he yeah. was that dude. He Twister is amazing. He's one of he's he's to me personally. Twister's in my top five.
1: Mm. Uh.
4: And um. So, I guess coming from all those influences and um. You know when you when you finally decided on the name Gemini and um, like like how did that all come about and what was the meaning behind it?
3: Um, so at this time I'm knowing how to rap. I've discovered I know how to sing,
1: mm-hmm.
3: but I got so much of a love for rap, and I knew I was so good at rapping. But at the time I was so good in singing. My voice back then was better than it is now. And I'm like I don't. I didn't know what to do with like I, today I'm an R&B dude. When I'm around my homies, I'm a rapper. Mm. But when I'm around the girls, like literally I'd be around the women. I'd be singing love songs. I'm singing C and R. Kelly to the girls. I'm not even saying I'm a rapper. I'm dressed like an R&B dude. And when I get around my homies, I'm rapping bars. But at the time I didn't know how to make them both make a marriage. I didn't know how to make it make sense. So I'm like, I don't want to leave rap alone just to be a singer. Cause it was, it, it was really hard. It was a hard decision. And I'm like, okay, well maybe I'll just leave singing alone. Then I left singing alone for a minute and was rapping. Then I left rap alone and b- jumped in a singing group but I still was rapping, and then one day, I'm like, I'm doing both. And I'm like, I'm a Gemini, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, that's what I just called myself. My rap name will be Gemini. A Gemini got split personalities. Then I was like, okay, I know how I'm going to do it. When I'm singing, the singing will be the good side of me, because Gemini got a good side, bad side. The singing will be the good side of me. I'll be like this, the pretty boy, Jodeci, Drew Hill, singing notes to the ladies. And then the bad side of me would just be the rap. I'll be rapping this hip-hop hardcore. I'm trying to find a way to make it work. So I came up with the name. Hey, just call yourself Gemini. And if anybody asks you why you call yourself Gemini, let them know. I'm a real Gemini. Geminis have split personalities, two sides. One of my personalities is singing, the other is rap it works for me and it was and it began uh, I mm. ran with that that was the last name mm. after I got with Lupe I almost got sued for having the name Gemini mm. because now we're doing legal stuff it's for real now we not just in the hood rapping or rapping at talent shows now it's the real thing now we on tour and I ain't trying to fast forward but I just want to give how the name did the change right Somebody came forth and was like, yo, I own the name Gemini, and if dude don't change his name, I'm finna file whatever he was gonna file, and it was gonna be big trouble. So the lawyer kept reaching out like, you gotta change your name, change your name. Now, my name was Gemini, but nobody called me, everybody called me Gemini, but when people get to know you, they start calling you other things. So people was calling me Jim. Instead of calling me Gemini, they like, what up, Jim? Other people was calling me Jim Star. What up, Jim Star? Jim and Easy, cause the easies came in. What up for Shizzle, my Nizzle, and all of what's up? This, this one guy was like, I'm gonna call you Jim Stones. His name was Handy. He was like, I ain't calling you Gemini. I'm calling you Jim Stones. I'm like, all right, no doubt. And every time he'd see me, he'd be like, What up, Jim Stones? And then we'd be around people, and he'd be like Jim Stones, and then everybody just start calling me Jim Stones now my name was still Gemini at the time though um gemstones caught though now you got Lupe and everybody else calling me gemstones now and my name is Gemini so when it was time for the name change she was like you got to change Gemini do you have any other names you want to change it to I'm like uh duh gemstones probably she's like oh yeah so you know she was even called Bloly was even calling me gemstones Gemstones, do you have anything you want to change from Gemini? Uh, duh, you just said it. She's like, yeah, silly me. So we changed it from Gemini, and it was officially Gemstones. And now that I'm Gemstones, nobody who knows me closely don't even call me Gemstones. They call me Stones.
1: <laughs> nobody
3: ever used your whole name. Like, if your name is Michael, they're going to call you Mike. Right. Even they're going to call you Steve. Kelly, what up, Kel? So now everybody called me Stones. Like, Stones, what up? Like, Lou called me Stones. Stones, what's going on? And the only people who called me Gemstones is the people who don't really know me personally. They'll be like, Gemstones, what's going on? I'll be like, hey, what's going on? So that's how mm-hmm. the name changed.
5: Now, do you think uh, your name still would still would be Gemini if it wasn't for that uh, the whole legal issue?
3: Um... Nah, nope, because I didn't have handy and everybody start calling me Stones. I liked the way Stones, I liked the way Stones sounded. Everybody was in the hood and everybody was calling me Stones. Even though, like I said on paper, it was Gemini. The CD said Gemini, but everybody calling me Stones. Uh-huh. And they're like, yo, who is Stones? Who is Gemstone? Gemini. Oh, Gemini? Why y'all calling them Gemstone? Gem, Gem, so yeah, it was about to change anyway.
4: Okay. Now um now before you met Lupe, um did you like know that you could make it before then and did you have those type of aspirations uh, of doing it or Of
3: course. Yep. Like I said, that's why I told you I met Lupe when he was just Lupe. He wasn't Right. We were in on different sides of the world, but still in Chicago. But he was working his number to get in the game. And I was working my number to get in the game. We just happened to cross paths. He was on the west side putting in his work to get on. And I was on the south side putting in just as much as work as he was putting in on the west side to make it big. Mm. We just happened to cross paths. And we was on the same vibration. And I guess it sped the process up. Mm.
5: So so um so before you you really hooked up with Lupe were you like involved with any other on um, like you know local labels in Chicago during that time before you really linked up with Lupe?
3: Yeah yeah I, I was uh I used to mess with this label called Mindblown Productions. Mm hmm. Um, this label called Mindblown. It was like a little studio on the low end somewhere on like 40 somewhere. This dude named Mike and his dude named Lee they have their studio and it was the f- man I was going down there recording I actually would love to get my hands on some of those my early recordings they have them I don't know where they at though uh, I would love to hear them early records I did in my youth cause you gotta know I'm like 20 years old recording these songs down in the studio I would love uh, to hear what I, my voice sounds like just the youth in my voice uh, I would love to hear those songs right now man so I, I used to record at the studio called Mind Blonde. Um There was like a bunch of producers down there. I remember this dude named Psycho. He was Psycho Capone was his name. He was a, man, that, man, that boy was a cult. One of the coldest producers I had ever heard. or he was talented. Um, yeah, and after that, I uh, ran into Will Smith before I met Lupe. Wow. Hey, <laughs> Um yeah, I had ran to Will Smith trying to get signed with him. Mm. But then at the end of that they told, not Will Will Smith didn't say it, but one of the producers who handled the music department for Overbrook Entertainment told me that they felt as if he felt as if, he felt as if I didn't have what it took to be a star. Oh, so they weren't gonna sign me. And then I later ran into him later on in life at the Red Carpet BDT Awards. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He met me again and he told me, I hung with them for like five days. I was with this dude named Charlie Mack. If you look Charlie Mack's name up, like this dude is huge. I didn't even know who Charlie Mack was at the time. Charlie Mack is probably one of the biggest names that people don't know about in the music industry. His name is Charlie Mack.
4: I think I heard Kanye shout him out
3: once or twice, man. Listen, listen. Ch- Mikey's he's been with—he's one of the the biggest. When you get a chance, just type in Charlie Mack, and you're gonna be like, "Whoa, this dude is plugged." Any name you can name in the industry, Charlie Mack. I came across Charlie Mack, and Charlie Mack—he's Will Smith's best friend. But he, he was also Will Smith's manager. I don't know if he's still managing Will Smith. I think he still but I don't know. But at the time when I met him, he thought I was dope. I was like, man, dope. And he's like, yo, uh, we're going to call this producer. We're going to see what the producer thinks. The producer heard me. He was like, yo, I hung with Charlie Mack and Will Smith and them for five days. I was hanging out with them five days. Mom's mom was happy. It was like, oh, my baby's going to get signed. He's going to be, be living there. Bro. He's not giving me a will for him. Yeah, limousine's coming to pick me up the whole night. Hmm. Dude flew in from Philly. He heard me. He told Charlie Mack, and Charlie Mack related the message to me. So I'm like, yo, on the last day he was in Chicago, I'm like, so what's up, Charlie? And Mack, what's good, man. Are y'all going to sign me, man, or what? And then Charlie was like, man, I'm going to be honest with you, kid. Omar said he feels as if though you don't have what it takes to be a star. I said, what? I was crushed. Mm. Fast forward, that was 2001. Mm. Fast forward to 2007. Y'all ever heard of Bryce Wilson?
4: Uh, The name sounds Um, familiar. The name sounds familiar.
3: He's with Groove Theory. It was this group called Groove Theory. Right, right, yeah. He used to date Tony Braxton, like, Bryce Wilson is huge. He's like, he was a model. Bryce Wilson is a model. He was in like all those movies, like, he's a producer. Bryce Wilson is big. Records on Beyonce, the whole nine. Bryce Wilson is huge, right? So, after I linked up with 1st and 15th, I met Bryce. Bryce was like my big brother. Um, So, I see Bryce down at the BET Awards, Right? this 07 Bryce is like yo stones. I'm like, what if he's like, yo son, I got somebody. I want you to meet yo. I got somebody. I want you to meet. I got somebody. I want you to meet. I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. So after the BT awards is over, cause I had did, that was the idea at the red carpet. We went to an Adidas party later. I was at this Adidas party and Bryce was like, yo stone, I got somebody. I want you to meet. I'm like, Oh God, let me meet this person. Cause he was amped. So we at this party, Bryce walked me to the back of this Adidas, this store we were in. It was packed with celebrities. And as we walked up, the dude had his back turned, right? And then Bryce was like, yo. Dude turned around. I didn't hear him call his name. He was like, yo, remember I was telling you my little brother? Gemstones? And he was like, yeah. He was like, he is right now. Dude turned around. Tell me why I was Omar. Who told Uh, me in 2001, I didn't have what it took to be a star. uh, Now, you have to know, Omar looked up to Bryce Wilson. Because everybody knows who Bryce is in the game. And Bryce is telling him, my little brother, but he didn't know Gemini. He knew me as Gemini. Or may probably even forgot about me. Bryce was calling me Jim Stones. Dude turned around and looked like he saw a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bryce was like, wait, y'all know each other? I'm like, I did a little smirk. I'm just like, no, nah, I don't know him. But I shook my hand. I was like, nice to meet you.
1: Mm. He's
3: like, nice to meet you. And I just faded back off into the crowd with all the rest of the people. Me and Lupe finished kicking. Mm. And you got to know that year, Lupe was one of the biggest artists at that time. So we were like with the who's who's. But it was mm. just funny. That's why it's always, that's why it's just good to stay believing in yourself and never give up on your dreams no matter what people say. Because the next time I saw that man, he met me at the BT party. Mm. Being introduced by somebody he look up to.
4: That's crazy. That that just shows like the full circle of life, how everything comes back around sometimes. Wow.
3: And and wow, did I get a smack in the face from Charlie Mack too, though. I Mm. had mine too. Because Charlie Mack told me that day, he said, Stones. No, he said, Gemini. He said, listen to me, man. Don't be discouraged. Who do you want to sign with? You name a label and I will get you signed to any label you want. I was heartbroken. I wanted to sign with them. He said, it Ain't over yet. I'm getting ready to leave and go back to Philly. Mind you, I told you, I don't I didn't know who Charlie was at the time. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Internet wasn't in like that. He said, I'm working on this artist. I forgot this artist's name. She was with Missy Elliott, and then he named all these people, and I saw it all come to pass before my eyes. I forgot that lady's name. She was with Timbell and them.
4: Missy sweet.
3: Elliott not tweet it was a hip-hop lady or she jade. had red hair miss jade
4: yeah
3: miss jade he was like i got an <laughs> artist named miss jade she was a hip-hop girl yeah. what a different color hair yeah She was like yo i had never heard of it at the time She was like it's an artist my artist name is miss jade he was naming these different artists but at this time i'm like man whatever he was like, "All I need you to do for me, I'm finna leave. You go in the studio and just record three songs, and just get me three songs." I looked that man in his face and said, "Okay." When he got, when he left, man, I never went in the studio recorded no songs for him. And when if I ever come across his path, path again, I'm gonna apologize and tell him. But I later saw Miss Jade came up, come out. And she was doing the charts up. I said, this is the girl Charlie Mack was telling me about. Mm. Then, all the other art. I remember he was telling me about, um, it was other artists. And I'm watching them come to pass, right? But at this time, I come across Lupe. And we started working. So I really didn't care about what was going on because we had our own thing. Right. Come to find out later, who Charlie Mack really was. And, and in 2015, when you look it up, man, Charlie Mack is responsible for 75% of the careers of almost everybody you see in hip-hop today. Charlie mm-hmm. Mack is. I be reaching out to him, and he does not respond to me. He see me reaching out to him, but he won't respond. And I remember... Me and Charlie Mack met in 2001. I remember after the BET Awards, and I was 07, I just reached out to him to see that he remembered me. I hadn't spoke to him. I called his number, and I'm like, yo, Mack was good. He's like, what's up? I'm like, this Gemini. I'm like, you know who this is? He's like, yeah, I know exactly who this is. He's like, yeah, I'm still waiting on my three songs you never sent me. um." Uh. And I'm like, I'm going to get them to you. He's like, yeah, I'm still waiting. And we got off the phone, and I never heard from him again. But he let me know that he was, and this was 2007 or eight. He's like, dude, I remember what you, I'm waiting on my songs from 2001. Now I'm not rocking Lupe no more. I get independent doing my own thing. I'm like, I went through a time in life where I was trying to just reach out to find some connections to do what I needed to do. Uh-huh. But I burnt my bridge with Charlie back and he's connected to Puffy, Jay, everybody. And he looked at me as one of the best artists. And when I tried to reach back out to him, it was too late. I had burnt my bridge.
1: Uh-huh.
3: So it came back around full circle on me too. Hmm. Uh-huh.
4: Man. Man. Heavy, right? Um... So so you said that um, you weren't really focused on everything else. You were focused on what you and Lupe had built in. So um, how did you guys start to build up 1st uh, and 15th, and how did all of that come into fruition?
3: We just started working, man. After me and Lupe met each other in 01, we was at a studio session. This kid named Arrogant at the time. His name was Arrogant from Chicago. He introduced me to Lou. I like Lupe music. Well, I liked his sound, his rap. Lupe mm-hmm. knew I could rap when he heard me. This was before the egos, and we was just two kids, man, just with a dream. And shared the same love. I'm like, yo, will you be recording that? I'll record here. Oh, let me hear your song. Let me hear your... And it was like that. Them humble beginnings. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Wasn't no names involved. It wasn't no names involved. It was just humble. We just shared the, the love for hip-hop together. After that, it was history, man. Before I knew it, a month later, I was signed to his company. Um, I found out he was was headed in the same direction I was trying to go. And that's why I signed with him. And my life changed after that. And we both just started working together. I learned how to complete songs. I learned a lot being signed over there with Lupe. And we just started making music. Nobody knew who we was. We was doing hip-hop music, but gangster Rap was in at the time. Um, and we waited our turn, man. We waited our turn. Jay-Z was a part of Down With Us.
4: I remember, you know, When we'd yeah. come
3: to Chicago, Jay would show us love, and we still waited our turn. We waited our turn. We watched everybody get on. We watched everybody get famous. But we just stayed working together. We was working on our little mixtapes, the Fahrenheit mixtapes, which wasn't huge at the time. Because people were sleeping on lyrics at the time. And we was just working, man. Then we dropped it out of the blue. Next thing you know, we doing his album in 06.
1: Right.
3: Five years later, it's an album out with my name on it in in record stores. That was incredible to me. I'm like, I made it, mama. It's I made a video. <laughs> Kick push. Fast forward it. Look, I'm at the end of the video holding my daughter <laughs> We made
1: it, kick push. The and you were... who did it is my friend.
4: <laughs> and uh, you were singing on uh, "Pressure" with Jay Z, right?
3: Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, the uh, Listen, brother, it was you couldn't have. T- I met, we had in my mind, we made it. We hanging with Jay Z, Kanye coming over the house before. And these these are the humble beginners, man. Yeah.
4: Now, yeah. Um, I remember. Um, was it true that Jay-Z was trying to sign Lupe to Rockefeller and he turned it down? Yep. But the Jay-Z executive produced the first album?
3: Exactly how it went. Mm. And Lou told Jay, you know, it's not a good look to sign to you because I'm in the same position you were in when you did Reasonable Doubt.
1: Mm.
3: I got my own company. It doesn't make sense for me to sign with you and I got my own company. I'm finna blow anyway. So why would I sign to you and leave my company alone? Mm. And Jay Z yeah, didn't sign. That. Yeah, no, Jay Z was hurt. Oh, because because uh when Jay Z found out that uh First and Fifteenth was going through Atlantic, we took a, a, a production a, a label deal. Atlantic signed First and Fifteenth to a label deal. At the same time, Jay Z was trying to sign Lou, and when he heard the news, it was like, yo, you know. He came to cross J-Defs like, yo, you know Luke Highway? He's like, no. Nah. He called Chill like, yo, you all it with Atlantic? Chill like, yeah. He's like, oh, come on, man. What, what? And they just took it behind his back and just did what was best. And after that, history began. And it was made.
4: Now, um, I guess the uh, legend behind 1st and 15th, um, it kind of revolves partially around uh, chili, and I was wondering what your relationship with him uh, is or was.
3: Uh, chili was the brains behind the entire operation. Mm. Lou was just the face. It was, you know how y'all hear about first and fifteen, and everybody think it's Lupe.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, brother, it wasn't Lupe at all. Lou was just the eighteen. He was just the voice to spit lyrics. Everything that y'all saw happen was Chili if that makes any sense. Mm. The BET Awards, Chilly. Jay-Z, Chilly. Kanye situation, Chilly. Every move that you ever seen Lupe make was because of Ch- Chilly, Charles Patton. He was the brains behind the operation. The mm. BET Awards, the first album coming out when it did, the label deal, that was all, chi- the Jay-Z cosign. sign that wasn't Lou who did that, that was Chilly.
5: So how did Chili go about uh, getting these connections with people like Kanye
3: and Jay-Z? Um, Chili just been plugged in the game forever. He was plugged in, but at the time, Kanye wasn't big. Kanye mm. was a local on the scene, man, in Chicago.
4: Yeah, I remember, he still uh, uh, open hear- up for Talibu Kali. Hear-
3: Look, you didn't hear about Kanye until... <speaking in Spanish> remember that song
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
3: that's the first time y'all heard about Kanye West Kanye had been in Chicago grinding. y'all didn't hear about Kanye until he signed his deal with Rockefeller when they put that chain on him
1: Man, I think, but before I think
3: that f- y'all didn't y'all didn't know about Kanye before that
4: yeah I think the first time I heard Kanye was either on the state property hook or or on the blueprint, too, where he spit a verse, yeah. and I don't think his name was
3: credited on that. <laughs> there you go. Thought that was the Jay Z situation.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: Now you got to know Kanye was rocking with us before that. Not signed mm. with us, but just the whole Chicago music scene. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then his opportunity came, and he went with Rockefeller. Phew. He gone. Hmm. So, it wasn't like, how did the, it wasn't like, how did y'all rock with Kanye? Because Kanye wasn't Kanye at the time. He was just, oh, that's Kanye. Right. Now, he's Kanye.
4: Now, 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 y'all came in, oh, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: No, go ahead. I was just going to say, now he's Yeezy, he's Jesus now. He's a multi-million dollar man now. At the time, Kanye was just giving his beat CDs away.
4: Yeah. Now, um, now you came in the aftermath of, um, I guess the 2003, uh, rise of 50 cent and like, you know, the, the whole gangster, hardcore hip hop and everything like that. And I remember when Lupe first came up with kick push, people were saying that it's a breath of fresh air and everything like that. So, um, when it comes to putting a message into hip hop and everything like that, how, how much of that was integral into, um, you know, I guess the business plan of 1st and 15th and how uh, Lupe was going to be marketed and everything like that.
3: Well, when Lou first started off, he was doing gangster rap. We both were doing gangster rap in the beginning.
4: Yeah, I had some old, like, unreleased stuff where he was, like, (laughs) spitting about guns and stuff.
3: Yeah, it was all about guns. Everything wasn't conscious then, man. He was just going with the flow, but it was hip-hop. Right. It was all about metaphors and punchlines, man. Honestly. It was actually more sounding like fabulous and... You know when Mace was out and the punchline rap was in. Uh, you know it was it was just about back the backpack rap and uh, hip hop and murder move was when the battle raps was going on.
1: Hmm.
3: When when the, when when DJ Clue was dropping the mixtapes. Right. It was really that rap. You know what I'm saying? You just talk about your chain and the ice and you know that's what that's what what, what was going on back then. But then, um, as um, time progressed, you know, uh, behind the scenes, you know, me and Lou used to talk all the time. And I would always tell Lou, these ain't the type of records I really want to make, you know. And me and Lou would have deep conversations. The music was coming out saying one thing, but who we were... Was was something else, but I always knew Lou was the first up to bat. You know what I'm saying? I knew Lou was coming out to bat, and I was next behind him.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So I was doing my gangster rap. Lou was more of the the more he was coming out of the more lyrical kid with the punchlines and yeah yeah son backpack slack, black. Back, back, you know what I'm saying? Chain so big it's that that black. You know what I'm saying? That's who Lou was at the time. I was more of the hardcore shoot 'em up Gemini. You know what I'm saying this, that, 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 and the third, so, but as time progressed, man, and we was talking, and life began to shape us, and things happened, um, and we began to implement our real life, putting it on the paper, mm. and by the time food and liquor came out, his whole mis- message was switched up,
1: mm, mhm.
5: Now I remember. So was, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, um, so like, so when Food and Liquor came out, um, because I know like around the time of the cool, you know, like uh, both you and Lupe were like going through certain, you know, personal, um, yeah. things that were going. Was there um like a like an event that both you and Lupe shared around the time of Food and Liquor?
3: You said was there an event that we both shared?
5: Um, yeah, you know, um, you know, maybe someone that, that, uh, that you guys are both close to passing away or, you know, something traumatic that happened during that time well, that made you I guys mean, change.
3: Chili, 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 got locked up. Mm, that was yeah. a big stab. That was a big blow we took. Mm-hmm. Chili got locked up, man. That was a big blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chile got knocked, you know what I'm saying, for whatever reason. He got locked up. So, you know, chopped the head to body of fall. He mm-hmm. was the head, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, that was a big blow that, that, that we took, you know what I'm saying? So, mm. that was the first big thing.
4: Now, um, I remember uh, when Food and Liquor dropped, I remember the bootleg dropped first. And I think that was, that might have been, I think I heard the first two uh, uh, Fahrenheit mixtapes. And then when the bootleg dropped, that's when I first really heard Lupe, because um, somebody, like... You know, gave it to me, and I remember being on the bus. I was in Philly at the time. For some reason, I was coming back, and I listened to on the bus, and I was like, "Oh man, this is crazy." And then when the album came out, I went and got it, and um, I so I remember you being on the hook with um, with uh, with uh, uh Jay Z on the Pressure record, and um, I was just wondering, like, I remember it being a big deal at the time that album leaking, and how much had to be changed because of it. And, you know, certain records were taken off and certain ones were putting on. And I was wondering how much that uh, affected everybody in the camp.
3: Uh, well, it didn't affect us hard, man. That mm. was the label, man. I believe that was the label. Honestly, that was the label that did that, man. Mm. They was tired of playing. The, they was anticipating. They wanted to know what this kid was about to do. They leaked mm. that they self, man. Mm. You know how these labels do, man. They, they, you We dealing with a big multi-million dollar company here. Come on, man. Who, who, who leaked the album? They the only ones who had it. Mm. To get the other end of your money, you got to turn that blade, you have to turn the album in. Right. The album get turned in, it's done, then all of a sudden the album leaked. Oops, who did it? Next morning, your album everywhere. And it was Mm. like, but like Lou was saying, man, I'm just happy it's out, and I'm getting some good replies. Everybody likes it. Mm. Now let's go back in, change a couple songs up, boom. But the label was more about money they was like, we tied away, we ain't trying to make, cause remember, everybody let, out. remember, remember it became a thing that everybody's album would be getting leaked. Yeah. Oh, you heard such and such album just leaked. Yo, you heard Jim Jones' album leaked. Cameron new album leaked. People start leaking their own albums, man. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah,
4: and it was, uh, it was real dope around that time. And then, so, um, so I remember, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to um, get the chronology right. so, um, I remember the first two Fahrenheit mixtapes. And then, was it the album, and then the third one, and
3: then yours was the fourth one? I, I couldn't tell you. Don't okay. let me... Don't make me lie to you. <laughs> I remember we was working and doing them Fahrenheit mixtapes. Okay. I, just remember, and I remember... I dropped Untamed Beats after Lupe's album. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the fourth just, Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah, because I remember putting... Inside of my CD, it was a picture of Lupe's album saying, "Go get if you don't have his food and liquor, go get it."
4: Mm. Inside
3: of my CD, so yeah, it came after him.
4: Okay, yeah, and um, and then and then I remember when the cool dropped. I actually bought the cool. I remember I I, I bought the cool. Um, what was it, Virgin uh, uh music store when it was still in New York? I bought it the day it came out. I was in New York that day and I got it and um. Just the way you and Lupe went back to back on um, on certain tracks and everything like that was just crazy. And then um, the, the 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 song for uh, uh, "Dumb It Down," um, just you know your involvement and all that. Like, how was that time for you and everything?
3: I was crazy, man, because the "Dumb It Down" was actually called uh, "Space Traveling,"
1: mm-hmm.
3: and Lou had turned the song in, and Atlantic shot that record down. Mm. And then Lupe called me and was like, Stones, man, we got to get this record done, man, because Lennox shot it down. And I went in the studio with Lou. I was with my cousin, Porkchop, at the time. And I was telling Lou, like, man, you need to dumb it down, G. Mm. You're going over people's heads, bro. Like, that's why they turned this record down. People don't be really understanding you. Mm. And then it was like, right, Bub. And it was like, you got to dumb it down. Yeah. yeah, You're going over, and I was just telling them, what the world thought about him? You going? People telling me downfield you because people was saying I don't really like dude. I would be trying to put people on him, but he was so over people's heads. People was calling him whack, but I knew he was far from whack. Yeah, and it just turned into a dope record, and it became the first street single off the album "Dumb It Down."
1: Hmm. And
4: I oh, I was gonna say um, I think it's the perfect balance between y'all two because like. Yo, both were very lyrical, but sometimes his metaphors and everything might go over your head, but you were lyrical with it, but, you know... I was um, more street.
3: I had more of a street sound.
4: Yeah, 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 and it, and it like, hits you right there in that moment, but still, yeah. you could break down the words yeah. because of the syllables that you were using, and the flow that you were yeah. using was just so dope. Yep. And,
3: and Lupe, Lupe had the flow that it was like, man, you might catch his next week, but you'd be like, did he just say... Oh my God! Yo, this dude... So yeah, it was a balance, man. It was a dope balance, man. It, it was a, yeah.
4: And um, you mentioned doing some writing. Um, and you know, with the whole thing in hip-hop right now, with the whole ghostwriting controversy with Drake and everything like that, I was wondering, um, what was your involvement in terms of writing? Or did you like, throw a some lines or anything like that during that time?
3: Yeah, I just, I just did writing on the album. Uh, I never got credit for it, but I did write, I did, uh, um, it was certain songs I didn't get credit for and some songs I got credit for, mm-hmm. um, on the album.
4: Now, did that, you write like whole verses or hooks or like the structure or how did that work?
3: I don't know, man. It was just stuff I did writing for that I didn't get credit for
4: mm.
3: and it was stuff, uh, that's the most I could tell you. Okay. I understand. <laughs> So, um, you know, so stuff I didn't get credit for and there was stuff I got credit for. For example, I sung on pressure.
1: Right.
3: You don't see my name.
1: Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Unless I unless a person knew it was me or something like that. But my name ain't on there. Mm-hmm. I never understood. Like why I want to come out, yo, why is my name not on here? It just say Lupe featuring Jay Z. Mm. Mm-hmm. And other so, say Lupe featuring Gemini and Jay Z. My name wasn't on there. Um, um, it was a few more songs I sung. I don't know if they gave me credit for Emperor Soundtrack on the first album.
5: Oh, man. I don't, I don't think they did.
3: No. Nah, see, it was a, yeah. a gang of stuff. Yeah. And I was, here we are now, entertainers. Oh. So. And they, but they did give me credit for what's the name it all Um, um, he, they just released a video for it. Um. I sent in that record he did, uh, I am, I'm, i Malcolm Westside, Gangsta Leanin, traded in his kofi for a new era. Oh, man, so- just might be, okay, okay,
4: yeah, I remember that, after all,
3: uh, yeah. yeah, they gave me credit for that, but I didn't get the real credit, like, my name was on there, but I never got no royalties or nothing, any of that type of stuff, so, mm mm-hmm. So but around oh no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh,
5: I'm sorry. Um, so around this time, you know, when everything happened with Chili, um, who took over the you know the whole the uh the label Lupe. operations? Of first and oh, Lupe did.
3: Nope. That's when Lupe blew up. Right after that, Chili went to jail, and hip hop changed.
1: Then uh-huh. it
3: was okay to wear your skinny jeans and wear your colorful big hat, wear your glasses. It was cool to be a nerd. Remember, Lupe ushered that in. Before that. Nobody, it wasn't cool to be a nerd before Lupe.
4: Yeah, I was saying, like, you know, first you had the Kanye, then you had Lupe, and Lupe is what really made it cool for, like, now you got Kendrick's and people like that, but Lupe was kind of like the blueprint for that whole, that whole nah, aesthetic. No, Lupe was
3: definitely, you know, look, I, and I'm, I'm humbly saying this, but I will stand up, he was the blueprint. Mm. Kanye and Lu was in two different lanes. Mm. Yeah, Kanye dropped his... Nah, 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 nah. It all down but still, Kanye was wearing blazers. He was wearing, like, blazers with jeans.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: If y'all remember, he was wearing, like, the suit jacket with jeans and with the Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah. yeah. Kanye didn't have the backpack swag, like the small T-shirt, small skinny jeans with the little wallet hanging out. Like, that wasn't Kanye. When you saw Kick Push, Lupe had his hip-hop hoodie on. It was like two different styles. Yeah. Lupe ushered in that. Look, it was Luke. Nobody was out doing that before Luke. Nobody. Nobody. He came in, was this kid Jay Z was co signing for, wearing glasses and a 5950 hat, skateboarding with his little t shirt on. And it started from there. And then it was oh, then it began. Everybody was cool to start wearing purple shirts, <laughs> to wear lime green shoes because the nerd look came in. It was okay to put your plaid shirt on now because you guys got to know Fifty Cent was running the game, <laughs> and it was still what up blood, what up gangsta, gangsta rap was still hitting. Then Lupe came in with this. He's like, oh, it's coming back around to hip hop now, where you didn't have to nobody was. I remember, big chains and stuff was in. Then when Lupe hit the scene, he wasn't wearing chains. He was wearing this little bitty gold watch, little type Casio, whatever watch he was wearing. And everybody started wearing the watches. And everybody got on the little nerd stuff. And uh, the, uh, the kid robot here yeah. got hot. And right. Lupe was wearing that, heck out of that. And then it popped off with the hoodies, with all the little designs on them. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And now... You look up today, skinny jeans is hot, but you gotta know, nobody was wearing skinny jeans. Lou was like the first rapper. If I'm saying the first rapper, Lou was the first rapper wearing skinny jeans.
4: Now, how did you feel about it when uh, when when uh, he started doing all of that? Were you with the skinny jeans too?
3: Or? I mean, I was at the time. I was 320 pounds, mm. so I couldn't fit in them. Right. But we had the same mindset because we wrote every day, me and Lou rolling together. Only thing I was able to wear was a, a fitted hat and some shoes. When we was going into the skateboard stores, all I could be like, yo, let me get them uh, Air Max 95s right there. Mm. Lupe like, yo, let me get that T-shirt and them jeans. And I couldn't fit nothing but a fitted hat and some gym shoes. Mm.
4: That's another but thing if I, I was to-
3: able to. Mm-hmm. huh?
4: Uh, I said another thing. I want to talk to you too because I heard you talking about uh, uh, you know, your health and everything like that. And so I wanted to get into uh, uh, you know, talk about that uh, later on. But yeah, yeah, you were saying if you um can fit into everything.
3: Yeah, I would have been. Listen, bro. I like I earlier on. I grew up on hip hop, embracing the culture. Mm-hmm. The way I was dressing, I was only dressing that way because I couldn't fit nothing but a t shirt. Mm-hmm. So I'm wearing the them. I'm, I'm like in four X's on my way to five X at the time. So I'm wearing braids. To, oh, I was buying sunglasses too. So I, I was into sunglasses, the things that I could fit. So I was wearing like these coat. It's funny because I see Rick Ross wearing them and stuff now, and I'm like, <laughs> wow. The Carreras, these Porsche designs by Carrera that's hot now. But I was doing them. Yeah. At the time, that was all I could afford. Well, not afford, but all I could fit. It was like three hundred dollars shades at the time. We on tour. I'm, let me get those. Here, buy those. And, you know. But I'm like, man, I gotta lose weight, man.
4: And what's crazy is, um, I remember uh, Rick Ross talking about Carreras, and I always thought he was talking about a car, but now I know what he's talking about because of <laughs> Nah, those
3: were sunglasses.
4: <laughs> oh man.
5: So. So, um, around the time of the cool, um, Lupe, so around the, so around the time of the cool, Lupe was also taking care of like the whole operation with 1st and 15th as well as recording the album?
3: No, the, no, Chili was out. And at the end when it was done, that's when it, Chili got knocked. Mm. Oh, wait, oh, okay. wait, 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 I'm sorry. You said the so cool. Wait, yeah, Cool. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, The Cool was the first album. Yeah. yeah. Right after the album was done, that's when Chili got knocked. So everything was done, and then Chili got knocked. Boom. So we couldn't stop. Had to keep going. Everything was already set in place. The tools was already set up. It was just like, man, dude got knocked. Oh, my God. Just keep going, y'all. So we have to keep going.
5: Okay. And so, like, with The with the Cool, you know, compared to, you know, Lupe's first album, The Cool is a rather dark album. And I always wondered, you know, um, when you came out with The Testimony, which is a part of the first and 15th, you know, series and everything, mm-hmm. did, did you feel like, um, you know, the Testimony was kind of a continuation of The Cool? Nope.
3: The Testimony mm-hmm. was stuff that me and Lu talked about that y'all didn't hear. Mm. Okay. The the um the the coolest stuff me and Lou talked about that y'all didn't hear before the cool was even out when we was riding in the car together when we was hanging together these are the conversations we was talking on even when Ketch was putting out shoot 'em up rap pat 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 you want to see the pop pop sling rocks and drugs and gold chains and platinum and crystal but behind closed doors. Testimony and, and, and the cool is what we were talking about. Those were mm-hmm. the com- Not the albums. That's just what our minds were.
4: Mm. Now, um, the first mixtape. Um, what was it? The. Uh, Testimony of Jim Songs? No, not the one with all is, I'm on the.
3: Who, who got iPhones?
4: Oh, we got, uh, got. Yeah,
3: yeah
5: we're, we're all Android people.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm saying that to say, this phone just hit, it ain't no charger. It just hit the first red dot to say ding, 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 ding. So we oh, got man. about some, let's, let y'all better come on. Cause All it's right. Gonna die. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to give y'all the whole story, but y'all better come on. I want it to die. I want y'all to get the meat. So y'all better come with it because it's All just right. ding, ding, it just dinged in my ear.
4: All right. Cool, cool, cool. So, um, um, now... N- now, you had a transition in between your, uh, the first mixtape and the second one from the, um, uh, uh, what was it, the Beast one and then the uh, Testimony of Gemstones. And um, I remember looking at the interview where you were saying, like, you know, how your first, uh, like, like you actually said that the original style that you came with wasn't really you and the Testimony was really you. And um, I remember the song that really caught me was, um, I think it was called Fly Away. Where you were singing on okay. the joint, and um, and I was like, "Wow, like this is the same dude who was like the gangster dude from the cool," but then you were singing "Fly Away," so then that really brought me into the testimony of Gemstone. So um, I was just was wondering, like, like, you know, what was part of that transition and that courageousness to really come out there and say, "This wasn't me. This is really me," and this is what I have to offer.
3: Because I was tired of faking it, man. Mm. i'm like because you gotta know who i am who y'all talking to on the phone right now is who i was in the beginning
1: Mm.
3: and as a as in the beginning i mean as a rapper you know you don't know when it's gonna happen you don't know so i was only following the current right majority rappers who start off rapping you start rapping about whatever rap style is hot at the time, that's what you start rapping. Like, Chief Keef is hot right now. Whatever, if he's not hot, whatever rap is hot, that's who the new generation rappers want to be like. Uh, um, whoever are the hot rappers right now, the new 16, 17-year-old kids, that's who they rapping like. So when I was 17, 18, I was just rapping like whatever was hot on the radio.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And it was gangster rap. You feel uh, what I'm saying? yeah. But that's not who I was. I wasn't a gangster for real. It was just rap. I didn't know I was going to get a record deal for real at the time. I didn't know that stuff was about to happen. So if you could, you'd be like, okay, let me undo everything, but you can't undo it. You can only push forward. And I came to a time in my life where I was like, okay, this is getting too real. And I'm not just rapping in my mom's basement no more. I got to do something. I don't want to be known to the world as a gangster. I don't like making gangster rap music. I mean, it was cool to rap for the homies on the block. And the hit like, oh, that was a hard punchline. You shot him in the head. You kicked in the door like Biggie. Like, yeah. But as I began to grow and evolve as a person, man, I was just like, "Um, I don't, this ain't, if I die, I just remember seeing this obituary of this dude who was dead. And I remember seeing him on it and he looked dead. On this obituary, he was holding a bottle up, mm. an alcohol bottle. And I think that's where my change came. I looked at that picture, and I'm like, this is what this man is. Re- that's all they remember him as? Mm. I'm like, this man probably lived a whole life. And somebody took the picture of this man in a club holding a bottle up. <laughs> 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 oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so his <always laughs> obituary, man. Oh, man. I'm like, of course not. I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want to die like that. I'm like, and I thought about me. I'm like, them all the pictures I got. Every picture I had was holding up a bottle or throwing up the signs that I didn't even know what I was throwing up. Throwing up my two fingers, the Illuminati thing. I'm throwing that up in all my pictures. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just drunk doing anything. And then that's what I had that life check. Like, what if I die right now? I'm just gonna be known as this 300 pound man with these braids, <laughs> who was a gangster with these big old pants on. Okay. <laughs> <And
1: Victor. laughs> that's look, real though. That's be, so real.
3: Look, I'm gonna be known as this big man with this big white t shirt holding up a Moet bottle. No, um, uh, um, uh. Um, uh, uh What's the bottle with the little ducks on the front? The Great Goose bottle. The Great Goose, yeah. With these sunglasses, looking like a killer. And my story <laughs> never got told because he really was not a killer. Mm. He really was intelligent. He really loved, he really loved life. But that ain't what the, that, hey, listen. That's the energy he was portraying. And at that moment, I was like, I can't be remembered like that. Mm. Uh-uh. I'm like, I don't want to die like that. do And if I die, I don't want to be remembered like that. And I went on my, I remember going on my diet. I remember cutting my braids. I remember just wanting to live, wanting another shot at life. Wanting to talk about the issues and the style that I really wanted to rap. Because what people don't know is the way Lupe raps. That's the stuff how I was really rapping and talking that's how we spoke the stuff i'm rapping about now like new day and new world and all this stuff y'all hear from me that's the stuff i really was doing that was our conversations we were having but for the world i was putting up this Moët bottle yeah i got braids i'm a gangster you know what i'm saying but that ain't who i was and i was like i gotta change and then i wanted to know god i started, you know what i'm saying wanting to know who god was and i just wanted to live man and that's how the change mm. came about. And it really wasn't like a change. Yeah, it was a change. It was a change. I'm not yeah, it was a change. But it, it was really just me becoming being who I was in front of the world. Who my mom knew who I was. The man my mother had raised. The nephew mm. my uncles had influenced was coming out.
1: Mm. Mm.
3: Yeah, you know. Um... Now I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. Now I'm like, okay, I could die now. Now if I die, come on, let's go. Mm. But you ain't going to remember me as no big dude, 300 pounds, telling people Mm. to bust a girl down (laughs) and smoke a blunt that I'm not even smoking for real. And my picture looking all blurry. I look dead on my picture. I'm looking, the Mm. picture all old, cameras ain't in yet, camera phones wasn't in. I'm, I'm on a Polaroid picture that you buy from Walgreens, a Kodak picture. It look all blurry with
1: a big t-shirt. Uh-uh. Hmm.
5: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy like um if I, I feel like, you know, um, you know, with your whole transition and everything and looking at your your first two projects as gemstones, and if I had to pick, you know, two um be one song a piece from from both of those projects, I would pick for the, on the first one, Bur- bury me a gem, and then on the second Ooh. one, pick XL. Lupe named and, that. Go ahead, though. Oh, um, and like even with "bury me a gym," like even like throughout throughout the whole testimony, man, like you um you talk about your uncle, especially in "bury me a gym," and then you talk about living under your mom's roof and in this basement, and even when you said "steady aging, shaving, trying to find youth," and that shit was just kind of crazy. Yeah, man, like because the thing was like um I remember the first time I heard the testimony, man, like I was in a car with him. Yeah. Uh, with my co-host there, <laughs> and I, and when I think it wasn't it wasn't very it was um. Shit. Good morning. Good morning. Oh uh, y- y- yeah,
1: yeah.
5: Uh, no no the um the one with Sarah Green on it. Um. Skeletons. Oh. Uh, which one is it? Oh,
3: skeletons!
5: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that was yes. Yeah, ske- yeah, skeletons, <laughs> man. Yeah, man. And I was like, who is this? And you said, it's Gemstones. And I'm like, who's Gemstones? You said Gemini. And I was just, like, amazed. And ever since then, like, I mean, I've always gone back to that mixtape, especially um, Bury Me a Gem. That one song, man. It's so Mm -hmm. crazy to me, man. Like, the imagery, man. Like, you know, roaches spreading like a hot flu. Yeah. And everything. I can't listen
4: to that song sometimes because it just... (laughs) It, it, it just makes me think about certain things. I'm like, oh, it's like one of them songs where, like, I really got to be in the mode to listen to Skeletons because that joint is crazy, like, um... Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so many songs, like, uh, even, um, even the last song on that mixtape, uh, when, uh, what was it, When I Get On? When
3: you rapped... Oh, them, yeah. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, the Rich yeah. Boy
4: beat. I think it was a Rich Boy beat, and, um... Yeah, man, yeah, Rich Boy beat. Yeah, and, uh, you... You know, um... You know, I first was, you know, I first got into you because you were, like, mad lyrical with it. And that song, you weren't necessarily the most lyrical in it, but you were just, like, telling it just how it is. And I was yeah. like, oh, man, like, when I get on, like, I felt that, like, like deep inside. So I definitely, you know, thank yeah. you for that record right there.
3: You know, and that's what, honestly, man, that's what God has called me to do, man. He has given me a gift to give it to the world. The way I see it mm. through these eyeballs, he has given me a testimony and he said, don't sugarcoat it. Mm. It's, you, don't, you don't need no gimmicks. You ain't got to be lyrical for them to feel you. You have the ability. I brought you in this at a time where you soaked it up. You understand hip hop. You understand rap. You can do it. You've, you've Lupe is one of the most lyrical persons you're going to find. You were a part of that. You can do it. If you wanted to do Lupe, I can do I am that. Yeah. The people here from Lupe, I am that. I can do that and more. But God said, what I've called you to do, see, what I didn't know at the time, that life was going to do what it's doing now. The stuff that we're facing today, police brutality, kids, blacks killing blacks, I didn't know that this was getting ready to happen. But God said, I am I am, what I am doing for you, DeMarco, you don't know why you're making this change. But I'm getting ready to raise you up because the future is about to happen and they need a voice. Uh They need a voice. You don't even know what's about to happen in 2015. It's only 2009, but I need to switch you up now so you can be prepared when 2015 comes. So, I don't need you to be lyrical, to catch it. It's already people doing that. I don't need you to do that. I need you to give it straight. Give it to him straight, like when you take Hennessy down. Like when mm. you take GM, give it to them straight. They're going to receive it. It's going to be real. And it's going to be given like no other rapper can do it the way you're doing it. It's mm. going to be raw and uncut, the uncut proof. Mm. And it's going to mm. plant seeds for generations to come. Mm. So when rap style, when rap dies, it's your ministry. Yours is looked at more than just a rap song. It's like, this is bigger than rap. Skeletons is bigger than a rap song. That's real life. Yeah. The, did you guys hear the song Selfish? The Suicide song? Uh, that song,
5: uh, which, I'm, I'm sure we have, which one is that on? That
3: song, uh, uh, the, the latest album. No, no, it's on the last album I did. If you guys didn't hear it. Oh, blind elephant! I highly recommend you to do it on your own time, though. There's no rush. It's here. The seed has been planted. Mm. The seed has been planted. You'll hear it, and it'll touch your soul. But I know what I was called to do.
4: Now, um... It's, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no.
3: Go. I was, I was going to say, ahead. um...
4: Yeah, because your phone's about to die. So I just kind of wanted to get into the new album real quick. Um, Now, you started off with the quick go in. And you just were just spitting just straight bars. It was like you spitting straight bars. And you were like, okay, now I'm about to get into the intro. And then you got into the Believe joint. And uh, one song that really stuck out to me was the New World joint. And um, that's when you kind of got into uh, a lot of um, stuff like you know, certain things that stuck out to me about that particular song off um, off of the Blind Elephant was um, you were talking about the reptilians and you talking about chemtrails and you are talking about like the 85 percent and the 10 percent and the 5 percent. And, um, you know, I was like, man, this kind of reminds me of uh, going back into the day when you listen to like Cannabis and Kill the Priest and a lot, like a lot of the 5 percent type stuff. And it seemed kind of influenced by that. So I was just wondering, like, you know, where your mind Not was Nothing
3: at. but the conversations once again. Mm. That Gemini and Lupe Fiasco was sitting in the car, riding mm. around Chicago having mm. All that mm. That stuff had been there. I ain't doing nothing but opening up on some of the stuff that we was talking about already back in 2003, 04, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09.
2: Feeling is here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. what up, son. You gotta just do it, CNN. yo. Yo, hold up, man. It's on a different again. channel, son. World up, hold on, man. hold up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. so all good. what up, all good, baby. In every hood, Bridge. son. what up, yo. CNN. Network. Channel 10. Network. It's on again. Network. Street every niggas, this grown man. Me Bull and face. Get in your face. Stay in place. Yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN. Network. Network. Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas that's grown men. Bull face, face. gather your face. face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace. Catch more people.